Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out west, out mm. in Stenko, just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life as we record this on Monday for your listening pleasure on Tuesday. Coming Thursday, the Going ISO edition, as we do every week, the long-form edition of Rejecting the Screen. It's with former Knicks and Grizzlies head coach, former Grizzlies GM, former executive vice president at the NBA, and current assist- associate commissioner, of the Big East. It's got all sorts of stories. You Stu Jackson that comes your way on Thursday. And also remember, go back and listen to previous episodes of the going ISO edition of rejecting the screen. Gerald Henderson was terrific last week. Got a lot of buzz mm-hmm. on his relationship with Damian Lillard and also the high school game from Episcopal Academy that he played with Wayne Ellington against Oak Hill, Ty Lawson, Nolan Smith, Michael Beasley, Legendary head coach Steve Smith on the sideline and the late game situation. Nolan Smith chimed in and Steve Smith as well and had a little back and forth <laughs> on Twitter. All right. So the NBA is, I guess, starting up sometime soon. And, and Adam and I talk a lot, just non NBA stuff. And I'm just having a tough time wrapping my head around everything. And as we get closer to school starting or not starting, I feel like every single day is that scene from Dumb and Dumber where. Petey is sitting on the porch, the blind kid holding the dead bird, and he's saying, uh-huh. pretty bird, pretty bird. So many people just like kind of like pretending that everything is okay, but it's so far from okay. So whether or not this asterisk is going to truly exist or just in my head or in anyone else's head, right? because it's a whole new season starting, but it's really not, and we're going to be crowning a champion maybe coming up in a few months. I started to think about the five guys who need the title. And players will tell you, Adam, and you've talked to plenty of them and say, well, it's, you know, it's everybody else who defines your legacy. Yeah, I get it. Like Charles Barkley, an all-time great without a title. But he'd be in a different table if he had a title. Same with, and same with Carl Malone. So when I started thinking about the guys who need a title, the first one that came to mind was Chris Paul. And realistically, is he going to get a title this year? No. But in year 15, an eight-time All-NBA guy, nine-time All-Defensive player, uh, All-Defensive yes. all team. And he, he was in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, and he got hurt. And he's been really good this year with OKC, and he's shooting the ball very well. No, he does not have a realistic chance to have to win a title this year. But he is number one on any list of guys who need a title. He, he is, for sure. I mean, and when you think about what he's doing this year, as you pointed out, it's truly spectacular. Getting OKC into the playoff race, competing in the West is incredible. They're not going to win it, obviously, unless the bubble games end up being really, really weird, which I do expect them to be anyway. But uh, certainly he's he's on that list. For me, uh, another guy near the top of the list, and we each selected five guys individually, and I just automatically assumed Chris Paul would be would be on yours, so I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Paul George, for me, is a guy. Oh. Here's the thing with Paul George. Uh, a spectacular career. Underrated guy, I think, throughout part of his career. Then people said he was overrated, but he was coming back from an injury. He had the weird departure from Indiana, where now he has, he has claimed that they didn't 
go out and get what he said during a podcast recently, the best power forward in the NBA. They had a chance to bring in. They were like, sorry, we're a small market. And he's like, once that happened, then they reached back a couple weeks later. We're like, hey, we can get like the 20th best power forward in the league. He didn't name names. Uh, people speculated it could have been Blake Griffin or Kevin Love at the time that this was taking place, that that top power forward slot was. But anyway, um, when that went out down, he said, that's it. I'm out. I'm leaving. People in Indiana still have a bad taste in their mouth about Paul George. But I just think he dealt with some injuries, but there was a time in which it looked like he was going to challenge LeBron in the East and playing for the Pacers and all that. And next thing you know, he went to the Thunder. uh, And now playing with the Clippers, once you make the call that you're going to join a super team with Kawhi Leonard, a team this talented, you automatically put yourself in a position where you have to win one or else your legacy is going to gonna take a major hit. Right, so I'll stay in L.A. and go with Anthony Davis. In his eighth year, a three-time All-NBA, he has only played 13 playoff games. And in the Portland sweep two years ago, he was 35-14, four blocks in game one, 47-10, and three blocks in game four in the sweep. So now he's got LeBron. And these two are together for a reason. Anthony Davis needs the title. And I think it, it'll play into a guy that I have later on in this list where what does the big guy mean for you to win the title? And Anthony Davis is as unique of a talent as there is in the league. And you certainly, and I'd say, if you wanted to go with top five unique talents, I'd go with, KD would be up there, and I think LeBron would be up there, and and Anthony Davis is there as well. And Anthony Davis needs title, especially the way he left New Orleans. All right. Well, if you're going top five unique talents, you also have to say Giannis. And to me, Giannis, who is on his way to winning back-to-back MVPs now, I will have a caveat for this one, though. It's Giannis winning it in Milwaukee, I think, will be – huge for his career because it'll be I think Giannis can be one of those guys like we just saw with Anthony Davis goes and joins the big boys somewhere else in a major market and he's on his way to I don't want to say ring chasing because wherever Giannis goes for the next decade he's going to be the best player on the team so I wouldn't call it ring chasing but obviously we saw the Kevin Durant example uh your your career legacy is sort of cemented but at the same time I think guys look at it differently now Oh, that he had to go elsewhere to win one. And I think him winning in Milwaukee is huge. Again, back-to-back MVPs is almost something where they use, and he hasn't won it yet, but but I think he's going to. It's almost used against you. You know, we hear with Steve Nash, like, oh, back-to-back, but, like, was he as great as they say? And meanwhile, you you look at with, like, Steph, like, like it's almost like, Okay, but then you're put on this other pedestal where you're judged against some of the all-time greats. It's like when Steph had his unanimous MVP and people went, oh, unanimous Steph, really? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, he he deserved it. He was the MVP of the league. Like, why do we get hung up on this stuff? But I think with Giannis's case, what he's done defensively this year, offensively, absolute dominant force, and he's done it at such a young age. I'm not saying that I'm putting this pressure on. I more look at it like, how are people going to view the legacy? And I just see him, if he were to go to Golden State, if he were to go to an L.A. team, if he, he plays with uh, another superstar in another market, 
how would people view him? And I think that will be the knock is that, oh, yeah, he couldn't win it until he went with so-and-so. And I think that's what we're going to hear about Anthony Davis, too. Although, on the flip side, we always say that. And then guess who's not on this list? Kevin Durant, because now he's got a title. Right. You know? Well, AD, the way AD left with the that's all folks shirt, I think he left looking like such a clown there. And <laughs> and just sucking the air out of the organization a bit. Giannis is so likable. Oh. that I think that would be the interesting test case if he went somewhere else because he really is such a likable guy. I didn't have Giannis on this list because he's the because right now it's the fourth year of his prime. So, and he came in so raw with so few expectations. So where I look at Jordan winning the title in his seventh year, but in his year two and a half, I guess, because he got injured in that that second season, he was averaging 37 a game and leading the league and and scoring, and he was 23 years old. I mean, Giannis is only 25. So that's why I didn't have – I thought about Giannis, but that's why I didn't have it here. And then I was also thinking, if he wins the title in Milwaukee, does he get the pass to go somewhere else, wherever he wants? Uh, I think there's there's so much on Giannis's shoulders. And the other day, he when they posted the photo of he was decorating his brother's door, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. His arms are gigantic. Like I thought that shot had to be panoramic just to get his arm. His <laughs> arms are huge, like size of my head, size of his arms. His biceps were enormous i'm putting james harden on this list also as we move this along quickly he's going to be a three-time scoring champ the other guys in you know since the merger in 76 to win three straight scoring titles mm-hmm. gervin jordan kd mm. james harden turns 31 next month james harden and russell westbrook who's also on my list who turns 32 next month or turns 32 in, in november these guys together, yes. uniquely, and then also together, are almost the faces of, well, I mean, you guys haven't won a title, so your style can't win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's such a good call. I, I will say this. I got both of them on my list, too. I think you have to have the both of them for the reasons that you just that you just brought up. And I think the other thing is now, too, we mentioned Chris Paul earlier. You're starting to see all these graphics now that show what Chris Paul has done in OKC and what Russell Westbrook's done since the trade. And it's wild. It's not like team performance this year was slanted in one way, which we assumed that it was going to be. What? You trade Westbrook Mm -hmm. for Chris Paul. Chris Paul at this age, all this stuff. Westbrook still in somewhat the prime of his career. And you think about it like three straight seasons of triple double basketball. I mean, that's insane what he was able to do statistically, but still it means nothing if you don't come away with a title. And I think obviously same thing applies for Harden in this new world that we, that we live in. It's, it's this, you're going to be treated like a Charles Barkley will. You'll never be in the discussion of that top, top echelon because what you're missing on your resume is a ring. And I think James Harden is almost like is going to be like Carmelo, like Carmelo statistically what he did throughout his career, his dominance, best at his position, all that. I think same thing for for James Harden 
uh, until he gets that ring. It's 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 just going to be how he's viewed. And now you, you have, and when you get someone like Russell Westbrook, whether it works or not, Harden, you're going to go back, and guys are going to always say, "Oh, you had you had Westbrook. You were a six man on a team that had KD. Mm-hmm. Like you can't complain that you didn't have teammates. So throw that out the window, or that you didn't get opportunities, or that it wasn't your team. None of those things can apply for for James Harden. So I, I think the both of them too. All right, another guy on the list. The last guy I had on this list was Joel Embiid, and mm. whether he whether it's fair or not to put him on this list, the fact that you know he's only played like 250 NBA games and he's hasn't even played what like a thousand basketball games his entire life even (laughs) last year in the playoffs he was 20 and 10 on 43 percent shooting in the same amount of minutes per game that he was playing during the regular season and in the regular season he was 23 and a half and 12 on 47 and a half percent shooting and the conditioning is a question so right now with this time off the conditioning shouldn't be a question. Mm-hmm. Although going into this situation, these unprecedented circumstances that we're facing, I'm not really going to be analyzing. We talked about this before, Adam. I'm not going to be analyzing anybody really about how their game stacks up and given the circumstances. But the conditioning and if you can make it work throughout the playoffs and make it work with Ben Simmons, there is so much riding on Joel Embiid. That pressure every year will continue to mount until until he gets a ring. It's been it's been easy thus far, and the fun and games and all that kind of stuff. Gerald Henderson, our guest, as you mentioned, going ISO last week, talked about Embiid and how different he is off the court than he is on. Well, my my final one, Noah, Sweet Lou. Ooh, for for a legacy, Lou Williams, and I'll tell you why. Because you and I always have the discussion. We're talking about a guy that's won six man of the year three years, three times. This could be the fourth time that he gets it. Um, I don't know if you've heard this chatter, but there's been a lot of Lou Williams Hall of Fame talk. Stop it. I'm, I'm telling you, Noah, I know. Who? Who are you? I th- NBA you guys. Social dis- you need to social distance yourself from whoever is. Listen, all – all of this is true, okay? Lou Williams has played in the playoffs four, five, six, seven, eight. This will be his ninth playoff appearance. If Lou okay. Williams gets a ring and is outstanding, it bolsters his case. He's going to have a chance this year to, like I said, fourth Sixth Man of the Year award. People are talking about renaming it the Lou Williams Sixth Man of the Year. I, I, he already, he already named his kid six. I know. Yeah, does anything else have to get get named for him on this? Be- Look, I don't think he's a, I I do not think Lou Williams, of course, is is a Hall of Famer. I, I'm not making that claim. Um, he's only one NBA player of the week three times throughout his career. Coincidentally, twice were in, in, in like consecutive weeks in January in 2018. Um, huh. But uh Listen, outstanding career, but I think when Lou Williams, though, I will tell you this, even if it doesn't mean Hall of Fame, he'll be able to charge a lot more for speaking engagements when his uh, career ends. If he can say four times sixth man of the year, as well as being an NBA champion, I think actually for Lou Williams's overall legacy, how we view him in the game will be looked at differently. And especially because, you know, 
for him to play in an NBA final stage, he will show out. There's no question. Lou Williams will be terrific, and there will be so much talk. If we don't hear it now, at least during the bubble finals, we'll be hearing about from, I guarantee you, ESPN or Fox or someone is going to have a segment. Is Lou Williams a Hall of Famer after he goes crazy in game two and scores like 28 off the bench? Just say. Off the up. <laughs> Actually, you know what? There's plenty. Too much in this world to throw up over. I'm not throwing up over that. I just want to address it. How about that? How about this year's awards? Next. The NBA did the right thing. Something that we talked about a month ago. Mm-hmm. About not carrying the awards over to these final eight games. We've had an offseason already. We've had like three and a half months. It's over. Season's over. We are starting a new season. But yet with last year's stats, that's that's what it is. It's as unique as a situation as hopefully we'll ever have for the NBA. So I know you've put together your list of guys, of your award winners, and mm-hmm. LeBron stumping for himself, Frank Vogel <laughs> stumping for LeBron. <laughs> I think Kendrick Perkins is stumping for LeBron. Like with LeBron, it's, it's as if it's a lifetime achievement award every single year. But this year, it's Giannis. It's Giannis. I love what LeBron's done, leading the league in assists, transforming his game uh, in in so many ways to be a distributor, to be a point guard for this team. Uh, But the fact that Anthony Davis is there now, the fact that Dwight Howard now looks like a rejuvenated part of himself, although people are saying, I had a Lakers fan text me earlier today say, Get Dwight Howard out of there. I don't care. I'm done with him. I don't care what happens. Is it, is it the vaccine stuff? I think between the vaccine and then he got reported for not wearing a mask around. He was, you know, he got snitched on as they, as they say. Uh, I think the I line, think my you, buddy. You talk to too many people. That's the problem. I mean, always, and it and it it, it starts to infiltrate my my thinking. But I I'm I'm Giannis all the way here. And, uh, and and actually make it two awards for Giannis, which is going to put him in just exclusive company. But I think he should be the defense player of the year, too. Um, it, Milwaukee's got the top-rated defense in the NBA. What, he, what Giannis has done offensively is just on another level, of course. He just dominates games individually, Milwaukee on another level. But he leads the league in defensive win shares and defensive box plus minus, which, you know, you start to go through the advanced metrics – Bottom line is when he's on the floor, that Milwaukee defense is is on another level. And it's weird because he's not a guy that accumulates a ton of blocks. He doesn't get a bunch of steals. I think the most steals he's had in a game this year is three. Um, and I think the most blocks he's had might be four. Like he's not a guy that's going to go crazy in those areas. Uh, guys don't challenge him much. But you talked about his uh, biceps that you were enamored with. But his wingspan's incredible. He shuts guys down. Another guy that I would put in that. That discussion that doesn't get any talk, the guy that currently leads the league in steals, Noah, steals per game, is Ben Simmons. Coach of the year, Noah. For me, Nick Nurse in Toronto. What he's done with that team with the absence of Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, Mike Budenholzer has to be there. The other guy that I think you need to put in the conversation, though, for coach of the year, we talked about it with the performance. Chris Paul's made a difference in OKC. But how about Billy Donovan? and the job that he's done with the Thunder this season. So every year, Coach of the Year is always the deepest. 
of guys that can be in the conversation. There are there are so many because what is coach of the year? Is it someone who overperforms the Vegas over unders that were set? Overperforms our own expectations? But why not Frank Vogel? Because the the common refrain before the season was how long until. LeBron bumps Frank Vogel. How long until Jason Kidd is taking over the Lakers? It was as if it was as if Jason Kidd was the head coach anyway. No one would even mention Frank Vogel's name. And the fact that he got everybody to buy in together and work to the point where they are right now, I think Frank Vogel could be coach of the year without a problem. I, I think in a normal year, I would absolutely put him there with the rest of the guys. But as you talk about and you say it to me every year, how do guys finish in comparison to what we expected? How do guys finish mm-hmm. in comparison to what Vegas expected? And I think with Nick Nurse, I mean, it's just everything we possibly could have imagined. Like in the absolute, if you and I were doing best case scenarios before the year, which we didn't, but maybe we should this offseason for next year, like best case scenario, absolutely for the Raptors, you still wouldn't have put them where they are. No, I know. I, and, and I would go with, and I would go with Nick Nurse. I think you have to. You know, there's uh, 46, 46 and 18 after losing Kawhi Leonard. Silly. I mean, that's bananas to me. It's unreal. Um, and, and the emergence of Siakam, all of his assistant coaches now getting love talked about for head jobs and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's when a guy has uh, got things cooking. Sixth man of the year is an interesting one. I talked about Lou Williams, um, not a Hall of Famer, but great player. Obviously, every year you could go with Lou Williams. The other guys that have been talked about, and I don't know, I haven't made a selection on this, though. I, I, didn't, I don't feel too strongly about it in any direction. A lot of talk about Dennis Schroeder. And the other one is another Clipper, Montrezl Harrell. And that's where right, I think exactly. most people so are, are leaning. How does it work? And I think you almost look at like splitting the votes with Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams. You almost think about them as as a unit, if you will, their second unit. Um, the one thing I will say, if I was going to make a vote for Dennis Schroeder, is that Chris Paul has been the one talking about how important Dennis Schroeder was to him this year in practices, how hard he pushes him, uh, and also how well, how much they like playing together. And so that. I don't know. Maybe that's a, enough for me. That endorsement from Chris Paul loves playing with Dennis Schroeder might be enough. But to me, I want a guy in the second unit that's just a total difference maker. And I think about Lou Williams as a starter who comes off the bench and changes games. I, Lou Williams would be my choice. I think if I gun to my head, had to choose. How about for you? I have no thoughts on the matter. There you go. Rookie of the year. I think we can all we we can both agree. John Morant over sure. Zion. But yeah. but here's the deal: is that What's really crazy is you have to wonder if they played these games out, would would Zion – we know there would be a push for it. We know t- NBA Twitter would be going bananas for Zion, especially we've heard how beastly he is, all that. Um, but here's the thing, Noah. I, I was looking – do you know no player under the age of 20 has ever averaged 22 points a game? And, and Zion Williamson, 23.6 per game this year. Uh, pretty fascinating. Obviously, small sample size because he just hasn't played that many games. And John Morant's had such a wonderful year. He's a guy around the league that everybody talks about as like their most favorite player to watch, like the young guy that everyone around, like players around the league love watching. 
Yeah. Jobber. I mean, I mean, Wilt, Wilt did average 37 and a half as a rookie, but he was, uh, he was 23 years old. Yeah. And just, just wait, just wait till Zion is 23. He'll be averaging 45. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> uh, the, the final award that, well, I mean, you could do executive of the year too, if you, if you nah, want to know that, what you, but, what but you I got? think we don't have time for it. How about most improved player? All right. Can I give you, can I give you, can I give you a Go caveat on most improved? Go for it. Again, it's one of those open-ended ones, but yes. I've always said I have, I have one rule when it comes to most improved. And I know what it, it is. It can't be, a, it, right. And it can't be a second year guy. Can't. And from looking at your tweet earlier, I know you have a second year guy, but the second year guy to me, it's like the, the Chris Rock line when he says, um, about parents taking care about parents saying like I take care of my kids and he's like yeah you're supposed to you <laughs> would you want a cookie right like in your second year that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to get better this is a whole new situation for you the rookie year is a beast and if you don't get if you don't get better in your second year then you're in trouble but all true i think back though to a very good friend of mine friend of the podcast and most improved player award winner back in 1993, Don McLean. He was in his second year. And if it's good enough for Don McLean, my friend, it's good enough for anybody else. Um, Don went from six points a game to 18 points a game. And that was uh, sort of uh, the, the, the reasoning behind him, him winning it that year. Well-deserving that year. I will say this, Noah. I agree with you. There should be market improvement and there should also be opportunity. I mean, a lot of the time we're talking about rookies aren't going to get opportunity. And really what most improved player is typically about isn't that these guys really improved all that much as a player, but it's more that they got greater opportunities. They, they got more shots, they got more minutes, and that usually leads to better numbers. And then that's why they get the award. My pick, Trey Young, I would argue is different in that respect because as great as Trey young is, and this guy led the country in scoring and assists when he was in college, uh, which is just unheard of. It's never, it had never been done before. Um, His first year was terrific, obviously, but this season Trey young improved his scoring average 10 points a game. He's now averaging over 29 points a game and over nine assists a game. A guy averaging 29 and nine, I think A, should be rewarded somehow, even if he's playing for a terrible team. And B, he's been so dangerous and he's had so many defenses try to attack him. I just think what Trey Young has done this year, it's easy to overlook because of the the rivalry with Luka, uh, with the Hawks being terrible, with everything going on with the bubble. I just think a guy going 29 and nine, and improving those numbers, his assists go up, his scoring average goes up 10 points a game, even though he was getting opportunities last year. And by the way, field goal percentage up, three-point field goal percentage up, all those numbers up, turnovers up too. But I would just argue, I think he needs to be rewarded in some fashion for the season that he's had and for the improvement that he's had over the last year in which he's just killing off of ball screens especially. He's, a, as we talk about all the time, if you could take one guy – Go ISO, reject the screen. Trey Young's my guy. All right, coming up. Let's revisit this gambling conversation. Plus, 
pre-planned comments in these Zoom interviews, how the players can be more effective. Start on the gambling. And as we're now deeper in the bubble, and this is something we talked about, whether it was last week or the week before, Adam, mm-hmm. how anyone's going to gamble on these games, <laughs> not knowing much about what is actually happening there. And right. now I'm seeing that some season totals have been pulled off the boards. And the NBA is, they're in bed with the books. And there's billions on the line here. And we don't know who's actually in the bubble. We don't know. And when are we, when are we going to know when mm. someone is not going to be on the bench for a game? I mean, right now, we don't know who's in practice. The NBA is, is controlling everything there. And I think we've, we have discussed slippery slopes before. This, is, this could be another one. Yeah, guys that aren't allowed back. You're seeing weird things happen all the time. It's been also asked, Noah, you talk about me talking to people. It's also been brought up, like, how much is, like, family issues and personal issues becoming, like, a euphemism for something else? Like, that's the, that's the other one, know. too. Like guys we are leaving know. the bubble, like guys are deciding to opt out, but is this a PR thing at times? Like we, we don't know. And so that lack of information is a killer. The other one is, and we've talked about this quite a bit, but I would also bring up, we don't know what play will look like. And I think that's something interesting. Yes, we home court advantage, we understand that's null and void. But I also don't know what play basketball play is going to look like when there are no fans. The arena setups are going to be awesome from what I understand, like the lighting inside the arena and how they're going to make it look without fans there is going to be totally innovative. That's one thing that I'm really excited to see is what the NBA is doing with that. And I've, I've heard about some mock-ups and things looking really cool. But I've been saying it over and over again. I think we are going to see some outrageous performances by role guys that would have never performed on a high level. And I just really expect us to have Marco Bellinelli at summer league type performances that pop up out of nowhere. I can't wait. That is what I think will, will really throw things off. In addition to the guys just making up the rosters. Can't wait. The other night I saw on sports center's Twitter feed, Jalen Brown, who is a very thoughtful guy, right mm-hmm. kid take the last two and a half minutes of his post-practice Zoom conference media availability to address Black Lives Matter and Breonna Taylor. And I was asked before by a few guys before everyone went to the bubble of, you know, how are we supposed to continue this Black Lives Matter conversation? How are we supposed to continue? We can't be out there protesting. How are we supposed to continue this? Aside from words on t-shirts now and and words on jerseys that will keep it in our faces as viewers, but words matter even more. And I certainly appreciated what Jalen Brown had to say, but my advice would be if you're going to pre-plan something like that, Mm -hmm. make sure you drive your point home. So make sure that you've rehearsed it. Make sure that you've, practiced this he was looking down a lot mm-hmm. without seemingly without having notes in front of him as well so if you're going to look down that's fine but have an outline there so you're not all over the place because i do 
personally, I thought, you know, what I took away from Jalen Brown there was Jalen Brown is continues to be an educated, thoughtful guy. Not, wow, he said something that I hadn't heard that I hadn't heard before. So my recommendation would be, when making comments, make sure they're powerful. I don't buy people. There's plenty of people who will listen first. Don't just be part of a montage of players saying, arrest the officers who killed Breonna Taylor. Have a line that can stand on its own and make sure it is delivered in a way that is powerful, not just thought. What's significant is that something sticks, right? We want the message here to to stick. So as we continue this conversation and it pushes onward, it needs everything has actually Dr. Harry Edwards told me this a couple of years ago that every movement has a shelf life, whether you want it to or not, every movement has a shelf life. And this was at the tail end of, of, you know, the me too movement where he was talking to me about it. And he was talking about, it's about how you can extend it further, but also about while you're in the midst of the movement and you have this momentum, what are you doing to, to foster change ultimately? And I think that, that you're hitting on both those points is that we're in the midst of this movement and you hope that it's not on the, the downside of it. You hope that this continues for a while and even builds momentum. But in order to do that, there have to be original messages, original thoughts, because the thing is people become complacent, if you will, for lack of a better term, because they just go, okay, well, I've done my part or I've thought about this enough. And those people that think that way, they need to be motivated and inspired to, you want them to also help you in, in, in fostering change. But certainly keep talking, make sure it's powerful. And I will say this, Noah, I think that we're going to get a major boost. You bring it up as we get back. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that gives me some reason for major hope as we head back into this bubble and play resumes again, is that all of a sudden now we're going to have a whole bunch of voices. We're going to have, there's, there's going to be this renewed sense of discussion about black lives matter, uh, about the different causes, about racial injustice, about police brutality. All these things are going to come to the forefront again because players now, like you say, have a stage once more, just like Jalen Brown. And there's plenty of other guys like him who are going to have a platform and who are super bright and who are going to have a chance to tell the world, here's what I think. And I am really hoping that when they're front and center and on Sports Center every night, that we get to hear some really cool messages. Um, Noah, on the uh, on the message front too, just want to let you know we we talked about him last week. My buddy Chris Copas, who you know is in his his uh, fight against cancer, he he posted on Facebook this week, and I thought it was pretty poignant. He he said, "Wasn't sure how I was going to feel waking up this morning, first day of a long build up to a new treatment, but I opened my eyes, felt incredibly motivated and strong because of all the support I have received from you." not me, I'm saying like his, his friends and, and Facebook mm-hmm. followers. I felt like I was going to go into battle to whip ass with the strength and support of a million people right next to me. I got so fired up. I was running down 73rd street to the hospital. Thank you for being such great friends and the most loving, incredibly strong family I could ever have. We're crushing this for good together. And I, I just wanted to say he's an inspiration continues to be, and I know he's a big fan of the podcast. So um, every time I sit there and get down and say, oh, this sucks. And man, when are we going to go to restaurants again? And 
when can my kids go to the zoo again? I think about what he's going through and the battle and his positivity. It's an inspiration for all of us. Big fan of Chris's. Keep it up. Coming up on Thursday, Chris will enjoy this conversation with mm. Stu Jackson, the former Nixon Grizzlies head coach, general manager as well, former executive VP at the NBA. He's currently the associate commissioner of the Big East. He's gotten a lot on his plate, and I told him we need like 45, 60 minutes. Got a lot on his plate, and he's given us the time, so we appreciate it. We'll record that on mm. Tuesday for Thursday. Everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, Hollinger and Duncan every Monday, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, Locked On NBA five days a week, Thursdays with Ben Golliver, who is in the bubble for the Washington Post. He's on with David Locke on Locked On NBA. And, of course, your team every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. At rejecting like underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLiz. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.